Welcome to the ASHP official podcast, your guide to issues related to medication use, public health, and the profession of pharmacy. Thank you for joining us for the ASHP Pharmacy Leadership Podcast. This series focuses on leadership topics within pharmacy practice, including the business of pharmacy, development of leadership skills, career transitions, and more. My name is Vanessa Goodnow, and I will be your host. I am currently the AVP and Chief Pharmacy Officer of the Jackson Health System in Miami, Florida. Today, we are sitting down with Michelle Corrado and Nick Liddell to discuss evaluating the need to evolve workforce models as the pharmacy landscape changes. Welcome, Michelle Corrado, the System Director of Pharmacy Business Operations for Lifespan, and Nick Liddell, Director of Pharmacy for Advocate Aurora Health. We appreciate your time today with us to share your experiences and perspectives. Thank you, Michelle and Nick. I'm excited to have you. And let's get started with the pharmacy enterprise evolution and management of the evolution. Michelle, over the past decades, how have you seen the pharmacy enterprise evolve? And how have you adjusted your organization to manage the evolution? Thank you, Vanessa, and thank you again for inviting me to have this conversation with you and Nick. I'm really excited to do so, and I'm not at all insulted that you chose me first when you mentioned decades, Um, but I have had the fortune to be in pharmacy leadership for 30 years now. This is actually my 30th year, so I have seen quite an an evolution, and those who have been in the field uh, this long uh, probably remember before we even had computers and we were filling out dosing cards on Cardexes and doing cart fills. So it's amazing to think how far pharmacy has come in the relatively short time of that 30 years, where it really was lick, stick, and pour, to where pharmacists really are clinical partners at the bedside. And obviously that uh, means that we've needed a change in skill sets, so our education system has needed to support that as well as just the mindset of pharmacists and what their roles and responsibilities are. So as leaders, we have needed to not only transform ourselves and our own thinking, but also manage the transformation of change and the innovation that goes with it for our staff. So really, you know, there's a lot I could pick from from that bucket, but I'd say probably the one that was focused on the most was really demonstrating the value and the rationale for pharmacists who weren't used to being up on the floors as to why they needed to be decentralized and up on the floors. So really, I think the bench to the bedside is um, one of the bigger transformations that we needed to manage. Of course, this means, again, further education. So, you know, we went, I, I actually graduated with a BS Um, and then went back for a PharmD. So just think of the whole transformation from BS to PharmD. And then, of course, all of the credentialing and specialization that goes along with it and those skills that are needed to go from bench to the bedside. So, again, I could probably go on forever, but I'll pause there, um, you know, and and let Nick uh, give his thoughts as well. Thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. And a lot of what you mentioned is um, the ability to change, right? So evolution has come with uh, quite a bit of change. And there are definitely days I miss Cartfield. I think there are some some benefits to uh, to our history of pharmacy, sort of pros and cons of evolution, right? Exactly. <laughs> 
So um, thank you very much. And Nick, the same question. So um, over the past decade, how have you seen the pharmacy enterprise evolve? And how have you adjusted your organization to manage this evolution? Thanks, Vanessa. Um, I'm excited to spend this afternoon with you and Michelle uh, talking about what I find is a, an exciting topic. Even though I uh, don't have as many decades of experience as Michelle does, I do have a fair share of gray hairs um, that, that may uh, provide for a lively conversation this afternoon. When I think about um, our pharmacy enterprise and how it's evolved, uh, I think it's in response to the needs that have surfaced you know, over the years. Uh, when I first started, the, the amount of specialization seen in the enterprise, um, the amount of uh, leaders specific to particular topics has expanded. And that's something that's different. Uh, I think now with health systems growing, they are able to leverage their scale and through that um, reach a, an, another level of specialization that wouldn't be possible if it wasn't for working as a team and coming together um, as health systems. Related to that is uh, remote work. Uh, that's definitely evolved, not just in the last few decades, but just in the last few years. And my organization, uh, Advocate Health, uh, we've gotten very much fully remote work. Many of our old cubicle um, cities are gone. Um, most of our corporate resources, which totals you know, hundreds of pharmacists, uh, are working remotely. Not to say, um, and that's not even including our, our, our pharmacy technicians. We have multiple areas where our pharmacy techs work from home. And some of that would have been unimaginable just a few years ago and definitely obviously came forward just the last few years. The last thing I think that has evolved is just um, decision-making. In the past, um, or when I started my career, uh, it was a bit more of a top-down leadership style that was embraced, both in our health systems, but also in our own pharmacy departments. And I see that that has changed. Our staff wants to be involved. Um, they, 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 they need to be involved. And, and that looks different nowadays. Um, the shared governance that we now leverage to uh, make decisions looks different, um, and I would say for the better, um, but that's in response to those needs. I think our workforce demanded um, being at the table and being a part of those decisions. So variety of topics, a different lens, uh, and that evolution will continue. So. Thanks, Nick. Those are some great points. Our ability to do more over time has definitely evolved and, and our ability to work um, in a lot more locations than we had uh, historically. So, so great points. Thank you for that. And Nick, um, I do want to mention that when um, designing these evolving workforce models, um, there are challenges that come about. So um, what have been some of the challenges that occurred for you and how are you able to overcome those challenges? I think the challenges are both personal, but also um, workforce-wide. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier, um, and so did Michelle, the need for specialization, right? The need for training and development of staff. I feel like we've doubled down just in these recent years, encouraging board certification, um, you know, certain ASHP certificates, you know, continually developing, but it just seems like it's on a different level. Um, and so that has been a challenge is keeping up with it and, and making sure that your staff is staying sharp, but also growing and then finding that talent. So maybe you're not able to develop it or, or maybe you need to start from the beginning with a particular resource. Uh, that has been a challenge. I think uh, when you're looking for specialized pharmacy technician talent, you know, our passive way of relying on a website or even an area technical college isn't enough. I think um, 
recruitment efforts have become a lot more active over the years. You know, youth pharmacy tech apprenticeships have been born. Tech training programs, I think, are much more prevalent than they were in the past. So those are some challenges that are still a challenge to overcome, but uh, will be a priority for us as we move forward. Great point. Thank you. And Michelle, same question. Um, as you were um, approaching the evolution of, of different workforce models, uh, what challenges occurred for you and how were you able to, to overcome those challenges? So uh, a lot of my challenges that I've experienced in the, you know, I've worked in a few different health systems over the decades uh, are very similar to what Nick described. I'll first kind of pivot off of what he was mentioning with technicians, and I agree with everything he said. I think for quite a while, and even still, the challenge of recruiting and training technicians has fallen on the shoulders of the health systems. I remember myself, I started our own technician training program. We were able to leverage some of the infrastructure. We still had a school of nursing uh, attached to our hospital. And so we were able to leverage some of that infrastructure for like admissions and things like that. But to me, I, I would throw a challenge out to our educational counterparts, our formal education, because I think it's kind of like a tightrope, right? If you pull the string up as we're elevating appropriately uh, our clinical pharmacists, you need to elevate the foundation under it. We, we still today, a few weeks ago, had highly trained, highly credentialed clinical specialists filling omnicells because we didn't have enough technicians to staff our weekends. So until we really fix that, and I really think I give kudos to the vision of our formal educational partners in terms of the path that they painted for pharmacists going to PharmD and, and the further credentialing, uh, professional society supporting all of that. But I don't think, my humble opinion, I don't think there was an equally thought out plan to the support and the foundation to allow the pharmacists to specialize like that. So I think as a profession, we need to do a little bit of regrouping around how we can market pharmacy technicians as a career, not as a pass-through job, not as a stepping stone, not as just a kind of plan of last resort, but as a true path forward. So I believe that there's a lot more fertile ground on which to grow technicians now. There are a lot more specialized roles. There are a lot more professional type duties that they can do. And so I would love to see us rally around that. ASHB has already made a great step forward by now starting the technician forum. But we need a little bit before that, we need to get technicians into that pipeline. And then the other thing, you know, again, we've touched on specialization a lot, which is true. I agree with Nick. Some of the challenge that we have now is not only finding the people, but once you find the people, finding the appropriate roles. These people are highly trained. They've spent six, eight, 10 years getting to where they are. And so they expect a certain level of salary and status. And we don't always have the roles of the path forward in order for them to do that. So I think the challenge on leadership is making sure that we have pathways for all of these great folks to be able to truly plug in, give the great clinical care that we we can give, but also have their own personal and professional growth and development be satisfied. 
Wonderful. Thank you, Michelle, so much. And uh, you're touching on such a critical aspect, right? So um, our profession um, and also um, what Nick mentioned is we've done such a wonderful job of advancing our profession, uh, but we also need to make sure that the patient care roles and those critical on-site roles, those positions are filled, um, but we're also making sure that we're open to evolving certain roles. So Nick, I know you mentioned um, some work from home opportunities and few things where um, we're able to be more efficient at what we do, uh, but we do need to make sure that every single position is is filled and and each employee is satisfied and and getting that um career path that they've been looking for so thank you both touched on some really critical aspects there to not just evolving our workforce uh, but sustaining and maintaining our workforce which is so critical too thank you michelle and then um, when looking at our current workforce models, some changes occurred due to strategic vision. So um, many of us had an opportunity to evolve our workforce with a um, very planned and intentional um, path. And then there were some changes that occurred um, for us professionally that we were, there was a change that was critical at that time for our organization. Um, so just wanted to discuss with you both a little bit, uh, Michelle, if you can touch on um, if there were some force changes or some trigger events that occurred um, where you experienced some change and then what was the result of, of that change? Either, a, as I mentioned, a, a voluntary <laughs> or involuntary um, forces that, um, that started that path and, and a little bit of, of what you experienced. Sure thing. As we've touched on a little bit, you know, the pandemic was a big turning point, I think, for a lot of people. As Nick alluded to, the, the remote or the hybrid workforce is, is in full force and pharmacists and uh, our allied health professionals want want part of that as well. Uh, so we uh, have done the same in terms of back office staff working remote. I work mostly remote myself. And we've also, we're in a small state, the smallest state, Rhode Island. And so it isn't always easy for us to recruit folks. And so we needed to think about creative ways. Uh, my colleague, Brian McCarthy, who is our system director of inpatient pharmacy, actually just did a great podcast with Unscripted on our new remote clinical pharmacist workforce. So we have both now. We have a, a core group of pharmacists who are based at the hospital, but decentralized to the floors. And while they are having their rounds and meeting with the clinical team, we have a team of remote clinical pharmacists. We have someone who works in California. Um, for our patients and is uh, verifying orders and talking to clinicians that way. The same for technicians. We are developing a remote mid-history technician workforce. Mid-history technicians have been really hard for us to recruit. So we have challenges, but we also have the opportunity to be really creative and, again, give folks more of a work-life balance that they're looking for and give them options. If they want to be in person, they can be in person. If they want to be remote, they can, or, or a hybrid position. So again, looking at every challenge as an opportunity, uh, I think has uh, allowed us to think in ways that we wouldn't have otherwise. Thanks, Michelle. Definitely sounds like you're making the best of those challenging times, but um, opening up opportunities for others. Um, Nick, have you experienced any um, triggering events that resulted in workforce model changes um, that you can share with us today? I think the, the forces or the demands that trigger these events, some of them have been around uh, since the beginning of time, and, and some of them maybe are new um, or were um, kind of temporary like the pandemic. One that I think has been around since the beginning of time is, you know, what our patients expect from us, which is better. 
outcomes, you know, higher quality um, care. You know, if you think about, uh, you know, I work in a region that has 27 hospitals and we provide neonatal care at a portion of those hospitals. But how do we uh, ensure access to expert pharmacist care at each and every one of those neonatal hospitals 24 seven? In the old days, uh, you know, you had a pharmacist maybe in the building in the evening and hopefully that pharmacist had pretty good NICU training. Um, but thankfully in this kind of newer era, because of that triggered event, uh, we uh, have been able to uh, leverage our scale and we centralize all of our order verification at all 27 hospitals. And in doing so, we now can provide expert neonatal care 24-7. We can provide expert intensive care 24-7. And that was a triggering event. We knew we had to provide high quality care and provide better access to you know, certain pharmacist experts. And thankfully, we were able to find a model that worked for us, which was centralizing our order verification. Is it perfect? No. Um, has it worked for us now going on you know, probably close to 10 years? Yes. Uh, and we're finding new ways uh, to leverage that scale. Um, but it all came back to the age old issue of just how do we do this better and, and, and achieve better outcomes uh, in a new way. So that is one example of uh, an event or, or force or demand that forced us to evolve. Um, and I'm sure there'll be more in the future. You know, I think we've done some very good improvement on the acute care side of things, but how do we do something similar on the ambulatory side of things? Right. How do we take an expert um, that's uh, in the community, potentially um, an excellent HIV um, kind of focused infectious disease pharmacist? How do we allow them to be accessed across our entire Midwest region? I don't think we've solved that yet. And I think uh, there's an opportunity for us to evolve how we leverage our workforce model to to achieve that need. So more to come. But we have found models that have worked for us. Great, thank you, Nick. And it sounds like those model changes you've put in place are going to be helpful down the road too. So, um, you know, with the up and coming USP changes and a few others, it sounds like your your model that you've already put in place <laughs> um, for other purposes is going to definitely help you down the line. So, thank you for sharing that. Now we're going to transition to um, internal and external messaging. So um, something that is so much fun for all pharmacy leaders everywhere is uh, how do we take what we have in our minds and then communicate that to others so, so it's clear and concise. And, and this communication is actually internal to pharmacy and external. So um, I think we sometimes take for granted that our effectiveness internally and externally is, is really just as, as critical. So um, as we're talking about all of these um, challenges for the workforce, models and and what this change is like communication is so key and and critical um, so Nick is there something you can share with us where you had to simplify a message um, that had a lot of complexity um, either internally to your your pharmacy team uh, within the enterprise or external stakeholders and, and how you were able to take those concepts and really translate that in a way that was uh, effective and you were able to get the results you were looking for yeah that's a that's a tough question right? You know, communication is going to be key to any business and to any kind of department operations. I don't know if I have a specific example, but what I would recommend is communicating often, which I think we all know um, to do that well. And many of us, I think, rely on kind of written word um, that might be a weekly newsletter or, or something similar. But what I have found personally valuable and I believe my staff finds very valuable is providing forums just for open 
questions. It, it is a challenge at first um, as a pharmacy leader to, to lead some of those forums. You have to be vulnerable and you never know what questions might surface. And you're obviously in front of an active audience and might need to steer that conversation. Um, but I think staff really appreciate it internally, really getting an honest, genuine perspective on where the department's going or what challenges are being faced. And through that, there's a, a trust or a culture that is developed in that dialogue. So if you're not providing those forums, I would highly recommend it. Similarly, uh, with those external stakeholders, we host an open forum with our administrators and our enterprise, our pharmacy department, twice a year. We'll pull all of our um, chief medical officers, nursing officers, presidents, vice presidents at all of our hospitals. Um, and we actually do it per hospital. So we'll, we'll meet with each hospital twice a year. We'll bring in a, a variety of pharmacy leaders from all aspects of the enterprise. And we will provide almost like a, a, a pharmacy address. But half of that time is a forum just for dialogue. What are they hearing? What are, what are they concerned about? What questions might they have? Um, and so they know uh, uh, we can have that exchange. Again, trust is formed, but also they can know where the enterprise is going or what, what challenges are distracting us or what challenges are we're struggling with. And through that, we can work together and have some synergy. Thanks, Nick. Those are some great examples. I think that open exchange is, is probably as effective as it can be and hearing both sides, right? So uh, a lot of times when we're trying to communicate a, a message, it's usually an ask, um, but that forum is a great idea to, to really open it up to those leaders and, and see where pharmacy can um, address any questions or support their needs. So great. Um, we really appreciate you sharing that example with us. So Michelle, same question, um, it's a very open question and the, intention is taking those very complex models or the, the need to communicate um, when the message might be complex, but to really simplify that message and be able to share um, the message internally effectively um, and also um, communication with those external um, stakeholders. So um, any examples you'd like to share with us where you had that um, challenge and, and were able to, to get that message across? Sure. You know, as Nick and uh, you, Vanessa, have alluded to, our messaging is complex, right? So we, we have messaging on a clinical level, but we also have it on a business level. And so I think that we've done a really good job. You know, I can say for the you know past three organizations that I've been at, that over the years that pharmacy leadership has done a really great job of creating that level of trust that Nick alluded to. And that comes through demonstration, right? So if we're gonna say that pharmacy is going to manage warfarin, then we have data that shows that when pharmacists manage warfarin, INRs are, are better than when pharmacy doesn't manage it. Same for banco dosing and it goes down the line, right? So after a few of those kind of demonstration projects, you've essentially convinced the organization, you, you can do clinically what they've expected you to do, but that allows you to have even more, a wider um, role and responsibility, if you will, in the organization and have more influence. So I think that's one piece. And we would have been fortunate at the organization that I'm at, we, uh, we pharmacy reported to the chief clinical officer who is very much a champion of pharmacy. So I think aligning with a clinical executive who understands the value of pharmacy and can help champion 
what you're trying to put forth is also key. We now report to the CFO. It's not good, bad, or otherwise. It's just different. Um, and so the CFO might not understand fully what we mean when we say, you know, banco dosed by pharmacy like the chief clinical officer were, would be. It doesn't mean that the CFO is any less supportive. It just means that we probably need to go out and find a clinical partner that will help us carry that message. I think on the business side, what we've been able to do is fully demonstrate that pharmacy is no longer just an overhead cost center. We're just not a place that spends a lot of money on drugs and we don't provide any value, whether it be clinical or financial. I think, and you know, our, our literature is rife with examples of the financial benefit that comes through better clinical care. And so continuing that message, but then for uh, health systems that have an ambulatory arm, which most, most do now, demonstrating that we really are an economic engine of the organization. And so they should spend time and energy listening to us and our innovative plans and our business plans that, you know, as pharmacists, we don't put forth business plans typically that don't have a strong ROI and we deliver on it. So again, it's building that trust. It's putting that business plan forward, delivering on it and showing how much we are truly contributing to the bottom line. We are not just a, a money pit, uh, you know, uh, a large expense line. Yeah, we have a large expense line because drugs do cost a lot of money, but you have to look at the other side of the equation in terms of the money that is coming in because of that as well. Thank you, Michelle. Great points. And uh, as you mentioned, one of the keys to very effective communication is that trust and also understanding um, you mentioned some different positions that you've reported to and how critical it is to speak their language, right? So knowing what they're uh, interested in, what their priorities are is uh, so important in that communication. So it looks like we have time for um, one more question for both of you. Uh, Michelle, looking to the future of the pharmacy landscape, what do you think will be needed to ensure pharmacy services are integrated, impactful, and sustainable moving forward? Sure, thanks. Um, for this, you know, because I kind of knew this question was coming, yeah. <laughs> I did reference the pharmacy forecast to, to see what, you know, pharmacy leaders across the nation had thought around this. And, you know, some of these points, especially around workforce, I think really support what Nick and I have been and you have been talking about in this past half hour or so. So I just want to quote a, a, just a, I have three statistics here that that really surprised me, surprised me and didn't surprise me at the same time. But 51% of leaders said that we will most likely need to fill roles with non-pharmacists. Again, excuse me, referencing the shortage or the shortage in particular specializations. Um, that 64% of advanced pharmacy practice models will regress due to, to the technician shortage. So again, I think focusing on how are we going to build a strong foundation for our profession to allow it to continue to grow in this ways will be um, critical. And the last one I wanted to quote is that 95% feel, um, and this was like the, the the percentages that I'm quoting are like the agrees and the strongly agrees. So 95% agreed and strongly agreed that we will need recruitment incentives that compete with employment sectors outside of the health system. And again, I think that gets back to 
the expectations, whether they're rightly placed or not rightly placed, on clinicians that are coming out of school now in terms of the roles that they should have and the compensation and the benefits. And I think sometimes we forget that we're in healthcare, <laughs> right? So, you know, the, the age old joke is, you know, if you don't want to be woken up at two o'clock in the morning to deliver a baby, then don't be an OBGYN, right? You're, you're not going to have a nine to five banker's hours. And sure, there are pharmacy jobs that are nine to five banker's hours. I, I'm kind of an example of that. But I, that's also the minority. So again, I think it's kind of balancing those expectations. And I think it will be important for, again, for us to work with our educational partners uh, so that we are giving those folks coming out of pharmacy school a realistic view. You know, one of the reasons why I went into pharmacy was because I was convinced by a pharmacist that I worked for that, you know, pharmacy is great, particularly for females, he said, because there's so many different opportunities, right? There's 50,000 different tracks that you can choose for pharmacy in different schedules. I think those of us who are in health systems that have 24-7, 365 responsibilities to heads in the bed need to figure out, you know, that balance to be able to provide that care and that very high level care um, and marry that with uh, resilience, you know, balance and give, again, giving folks the personal and professional growth path that they want. I think it's, I think it's very exciting. It's exciting to work with people on developing their plan. And then as leaders, we just need to work on plugging all the right people into the right roles and continuing to, to grow our roles, our responsibility and influence across the health system as we do that. Great, thank you, Michelle. Some really critical points for our future. So, so Nick, same question. Um, looking at the future of the pharmacy landscape, um, what do you think will be needed um, for that impactful, sustainable, integrated pharmacy services in the future? Yeah, Vanessa, this is probably one of the hardest questions of the day. Um, and I, I, uh, I like to think I have a pretty clear looking crystal ball, but really when you look at it, it's pretty foggy and it's hard to read the future. Um, which uh, is why one of my favorite articles is that pharmacy forecast. When we prepare for strategic planning, our department still does a strategic plan every year. Um, and it adjusts every year because obviously the dynamics of our environments are always changing. Um, I think we have to stay informed. So first uh, and foremost, if you're not reading or listening to podcasts or absorbing new information, uh, your department, your service line will likely be left behind. So that is uh, a kind of a key step. Another uh, important step is risk taking. Um, and this can be hard, I think, for pharmacists uh, to take risks. I think many times we're very calculated and uh, sometimes maybe a little bit risk adverse. Um, but really for us to be ready for the future, uh, we're going to need to do new things, um, maybe be the first one to do something in your state or, or even in our nation. And uh, we need to keep pushing the envelope um, because that is going to be key for us to be making a difference and have that impact like we'd like to. And then lastly, with that risk taking comes pruning. Um, you know, uh, there's been a variety of stories shared today and, you know, Carfield doesn't look like what it what it used to look like and checking meds doesn't look like what it used to look like. And I mentioned decision-making the way uh, we make decision-making in our make decisions in our department looks different than it, how, how it used to look like. So I think being willing to evolve, having that willingness um, and, and doing that pruning and trimming some of those trees 
will allow that garden, allow that forest to really grow. But that also is takes a lot of time and energy, um, but can't be forgotten because an unpruned garden, if you've ever seen one or an unpruned tree, does not look nearly as beautiful as one that is pruned. So uh, don't forget that as you move forward. I think it's an important step. Thank you very much, Nick. Greatly appreciate it. And uh, thank you both for your advice and guidance. So we'll keep our gardens nice and trim with all the recommendations. So uh, thank you very much. That's all the time we have today. And I want to thank Michelle Corrado and Nick Liddell for joining us today to discuss evaluating the need to evolve workforce models as the pharmacy landscape changes. We are grateful for your time today, Michelle and Nick, for sharing your experiences and advice with us. For more member-exclusive content, including resources for self-development, leading pharmacy enterprises and teams, and practice management on the ASHP website. Thank you for joining us. And if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to the at ASHP official podcast. During the ASHP 2023 Mid-Year Clinical Meeting in Anaheim, California, on December 6th from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m., Nick Gaz and I will be presenting Untangling the Web, Setting Up the Matrix Pharmacy Enterprise for Future Success. To find more information about this session and the rest of ASHP's educational programming offered in December, visit the Mid-Year Clinical Meeting 2023 ASHP website or contact us at E-D-U-C-S-E-V-E-R at ASHP.org. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We look forward to seeing you at our conference in Anaheim, California. Michelle and Nick, thank you very much for your time today, and have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you for listening to ASHP Official, the voice of pharmacists advancing healthcare. Be sure to visit ashp.org forward slash podcast to discover more great episodes, access show notes, and download the episode transcript. If you loved the episode and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe, rate, or leave a review. Join us next time on ASHP Official.